Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns, and you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, for years, those of us who served in the mental health field were taught never to mention anything of a religious or spiritual nature. But now, many are researching the elements of spirituality inherent in the therapeutic process, and many are researching the benefits of utilizing that natural spiritual element of therapy. We're finally being encouraged by ethics boards and the core competencies of our field to provide a spiritual assessment and to check for spiritual problems as part of our efforts to assist our clients. We're beginning to understand such terms as transpersonal, spiritual crisis, spiritual abuse, and spiritual wounds. So during this show, we're going to discuss and explain the spiritual elements of therapy, which could result in greater healing. So today, I mean, if you've been listening to my show for uh, a number of years or even for a little while, you know that sometimes I'm wearing my strictly spiritual hat and sometimes I'm wearing my counselor hat well today I'm wearing both uh, because I can because in the field that I work in as a counselor psychotherapist uh, we are researching what uh, the spiritual element of therapy and we are beginning to get some understanding of of the need to explore that spiritual element in therapy for a long time, when I actually, when I went to school, we were taught that we should refer any spiritual or religious issues to uh, clergy. But uh, in 1994, because there was a push from some of the transpersonal therapists, um, some of the more renowned transpersonal therapists, uh, the, the writers of the DSM decided to add a code, a, a diagnostic code for religious or spiritual problem. Now, that's not a mental illness, but it is a code that can be used to provide therapy to someone. Um, and basically what that means is that someone might be having uh, a, a, an issue that is either relevant to their diagnosis or or can be treatable and is a standalone. So... Uh, so now we know that we have the capacity to do that. Now that we've got that diagnostic code, uh, what we have to do is upgrade our training in the field to allow us to, to really work in an ethical and, and um, accurate manner with our clients uh, so that we can help them to understand the deeper spiritual aspect of who they are. So before I go any further, let me explain the difference between religion and spirituality. So religion is a, um, is a uh, set, a dogma, a creed, a set, a bunch of uh, rules and regulations and sort of uh, belief systems that uh, all a certain group of people believe to be true. And they all agree to believe that these things are true and they all agree to certain codes of behavior that they will follow. And they all agree to meet in a certain place at a certain time. And so it's a group effort. It's a, an effort that is meant to um, enhance community and enhance the community's uh, connection to a some form of a higher power. So, it, I mean, it has a lot of benefits. Religion has a lot of benefits. Uh, but there are also a lot of complaints currently about organized religion. So 
and we might talk just a little bit about that as we go. Um, but uh, spirituality, on the other hand, is a very individual approach to the divine or approach to a, a philosophy. Um, what it basically means is that I've, I've gotten in touch with who I am or I'm trying to get in touch with who I am at my deepest, most spiritual nature. I call that deep spiritual nature several things that are all synonymous terms for me. That's the authentic self. That's the soul. That's the uh, spirit. I think those are all synonymous terms. So when we talk about spirituality, what I believe we're talking about is uh, the pathway or the journey to that deeper self, that deeper soul, that deeper spirit. So uh, it, it may or may not involve uh, connection to a divine being depending on the belief system of the individual involved but it does involve a real connection a real uh, walk with a real living in that authentic self that soul or that spirit so spirituality is that journey toward that uh, that whole life where we are trying to uh, live into who we actually are as, uh, as a spirit uh, so Now, how does that relate to therapy? Well, Carl Jung, who called himself a doctor of the soul, uh, very much stated that he uh, believed that the cure, the beginning of the cure for any mental uh, problem was to get in touch with that self or soul. Um, And um, so I, I agree with him. I think that's very, very true. So that's what I do in my practice. I try to help people to get in touch with and begin to live from that authentic self. That's a journey, and it's not always an easy easy one, and I don't think we finish the journey. I say to people all the time that that I hope that on my deathbed I'm finally going to slap my thigh and say, yep, I finally got it. Um, I I finally am a whole person. Uh, I think, you know, there's things that continue to come up, though I've been working on my own authenticity for uh, well over 30 years now. Um, I think that uh, uh, there are still things that come up, things that are uh, uh, old stuff from the past, things that are um, new awarenesses, new insights um, uh, that I that I have to work on, that I have to pay attention to, and and begin to sort of organically journey through. Um, and that's the process I think that is the most effective is to is to trust the process that's going on inside of us. So what do I mean by that? And this is real, real important to the therapeutic approach, especially a transpersonal therapeutic approach. Um, And, of course, many of you know that there are many different theories out there, cognitive uh, theory, cognitive behavioral. Behaviorists uh, believe that, you know, this this stuff that I'm telling you perhaps is not very important and not necessary. Um, There's just a lot of different theories out there. And, of course, you get to decide which one you want to work with um, as you're picking a therapist. But um, I think it's important to to understand what, what it is that we do in transpersonal therapy, or at least what I do as a transpersonal therapist. What I do is I try to facilitate that organic process. And the first part of that is beginning to trust that there is such a process. I believe that the psyche, the soul, the I am, the self is always leaning toward wholeness. It is always trying to find a way to uh, to be whole. And it wants us to discover those things that are keeping us from being whole. 
And so it will attract us to those external people, places, events, and circumstances that will help us to go, oh, this is keeping me away from my wholeness. This is keeping me away from my soul, myself, my spirit. And so uh, I believe that that process very commonly zigs and zags through life in some real crooked and, and seemingly devious ways because it intends for us to wake up to who we are. So we might get attracted to a job situation where the, the boss reminds us of, of old issues that are unresolved with dad or mom. And we have to work through those issues. And, and that, so what, what's been called up now because of this, uh, uh, we've been attracted to this uh, environment where there's this boss that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Now we are called upon to uh, to pay attention to what goes on inside of us relative to our interaction with this boss, and so we have to uh, to uh, process through that material. Now we could keep it very external and refuse to process through the internal material and make it all about the big bad boss and he's just horrible and awful and no good and that's all there is to that and all I need to do is get the heck out of here and that's that. But, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we can't get the heck out of here and that's another one of those times when sort of the psyche is saying, okay, look, 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 look at this because it can help you wake up to who you are. And so we run into difficulties as our life runs by because that's life. But those difficulties can also be extremely useful to the psyche that wants to bring us to wholeness. And what I find is very, very fascinating as I've done this work over the years is that we often get attracted to or involved in situations, circumstances, or people that, are, that do remind us of old unresolved material. And it's just very, very interesting to see that pattern evolving again and again and again. And to me, that's evidence that the psyche is still leaning toward wholeness and it's trying to get us to wake up. So then my job as a therapist is to facilitate that awareness to kind of go, okay, well, you know, this is just like that situation you had at home. And, and you know, do, can you see the, 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 the sameness there? And uh, can you feel the feelings that are the same as the feelings you had as a child or as a, uh, in this particular scenario where you've got unresolved issues? And uh, very commonly what that does is help the person to go, oh, I'm just repeating old stuff. Let me look at that. And, and then they begin the process of, of trusting the process. So that, that, that trusting the process means that the process of wholeness is happening within us. And it is not driven by ego. It is not driven by design, uh, our, our contrivance. It's not driven that way. It is driven from the soul. It's driven from the authentic self. And it is always trying to make us whole. And that process I completely trust with all of my clients. So that I know that even if they should come into the office with some um, thoughts about suicide, that is, that is an existential opportunity to wake up. So what do I mean by existential? I mean that, the, that life itself, the life energy, the life force within me is pushing me to look at life itself, to look at what are the options for life? What, what can I do? Can I take this pain? Um, can I, or do I need to, uh, to find a way to work through this pain? Is this pain useful to me? 
or I, do I do I just opt out permanently from any temporary pain? So uh, you know, those are the, even that can be an opportunity, although it's scary to people to hear about, and scary for people to hear. It's an opportunity to wake up. Um, so, uh, and I don't want to sound like I'm dismissing that uh, the gravity of suicidality. I'm certainly not. Um, and I do th- very thorough suicidal assessments when it when as as needed in therapy. But um, but I but I do want to uh, facilitate an awareness that here we are at the precipice of another opportunity to wake up to who we are. And sometimes going to the very edge of the cliff is the thing that finally wakes us up and says, no, I want to live, I want to live a full life. And this thing that I've been doing that's keeping me from living a full life is what I want to stop doing. Um, So it can create some real life change. So uh, trusting that process is a very important element of of the therapeutic process, but it contains that spiritual element that says that there's something mysterious going on. Carl Jung would have used the word numinous, N-U-M-I-N-O-U-S. Um, and that's uh, Otto, Rudolf Otto's uh, terminology that he that Jung sort of borrowed from him to talk about a deep and and rich mysterious force that works in our lives. And if we don't have to name it anything. We don't have to name it God or the devil or, you know, anything else. We don't have to name it Allah or uh, Brahman or anything at all. We can just say it's a mysterious force. And it is a mysterious force, and we do encounter it. And even people who are atheists encounter this mysterious force that kind of says, wow, that was a synchronistic event, or wow, I was thinking about you and you called, or wow, you know, we might call it a uh, 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 coincidence, but... Um, actually, you know, it's it, there is when it happens on a frequent basis, we begin to go, hmm, there's a mysterious force here. So uh, it's important for us to just kind of notice that the psyche really does want us to be whole. And if we push that a little bit, we can develop some, begin some pathways to, to wholeness. So the basic process of therapy itself when it's depth therapy, not when it when it's just behavioral therapy or career or uh, career therapy or, you know, um, uh, something that's just about your behavior, but even that on even that can be useful in this transpersonal approach. But but when it is um, when we're talking about depth therapy, we're talking about uh, the the client is actually taking a spiritual journey by walking in the door of therapy and beginning the process of looking at the deeper self. So um, so I give that, I say that's the spiritual element of therapy, that we're beginning the process of looking at the deeper self. And so um, I, I can identify, those of you who have been listening to my show for a while know that I have a lot of work that we've done on identity. My latest book, Letting Go of Good, uh, Dispel the Myth of Goodness to Find Your Genuine Self, is all about an identification with goodness. It says I must be good at all costs. I have to be good. I have to be a good person because that's the only way I'll feel myself worthy. And in the process, these people will get themselves in a lot of trouble because they tend to be naive. They tend to be uh, abused and used by other people. And they are hurt and, 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 and used up sometimes by other people by the time they get to the office. But it's because they've identified with goodness. Now, we wouldn't think that that would be 
a very uh, bad thing to do. We wouldn't think that identifying with goodness would be bad, but it can be devastatingly um, hard for individuals that are identified with good because they, they're trying so hard to be good that that's their primary motivation, that they miss the signs and signals and they talk themselves out of things that they need to look at and talk themselves out of leaving relationships they need to leave and talk themselves out of appropriate boundaries and all those in the name of goodness. So if you want to know more about that, you can certainly get that book. It's for sale on uh, on Amazon.com and on Barnes & Noble and Books A Million and several other online sites as well as local bricks and mortar uh, stores also. So... But what we, when we talk about identity, identity is something I can be or do or look like that isn't who I am at my essential core. I know how to wear the mask and costume, and I wear it so well and so long that I think it's who I am. But actually, it's just a mask and costume that I've worn so long that, that I've identified with it. And um, so and when, we, when we wear that identity... It's very difficult for us to access the authentic self, and so I consider that to be my job as a therapist is to, to help people to, to see the distinctions between the feelings and thoughts of the identity and the feelings and thoughts of the authentic self, and that's, again, the part of the journey. We can use all kinds of methodologies to get there, but that's a part of the journey. So, again, that's the spiritual element of, ther- of depth therapy. So... Uh, uh, we are... Uh, we're also... in. To pay attention, uh, as therapists, we're to meant to pay attention to the various religions and to respect those religions and not to insert our own beliefs and, and demand that a person come around to our belief system in order to uh, participate in therapy. So we'll talk about that a little bit right after the break. Uh, so we'll be back in just a few minutes right after this. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building, yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success. And every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our nation's educational system is undergoing constant change as technology and society are redefining the system as we have known it. On Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton, we provide parents with the resources they need to understand and become a part of the educational experience for their children. Through engaging guests, news, interactive discussions, and innovative ideas, it's everything that parents should know about school. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense, 
Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with the Authentic Living Show. I want to tell you before we go any further about the upcoming Super Soul Sunday on October 22nd at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific and 10 a.m. Central. Um, this is going to be a very good show. I'm looking forward to it because near, uh, after 10 years after their groundbreaking web series, Oprah Winfrey is going to sit down with Eckhart Tolle, visionary thought leader and author of the international bestseller, A New Earth, to discuss where we are in the state of the new earth. Eckhart shares with Oprah his view of why the world is in the midst of an emotional shift and how we can become more aligned. That sounds extremely exciting to me because we are definitely in the midst of an emotional shift, not just emotional but psychological and spiritual, and we, uh, we really do need to understand how we can become more aligned. One of the things that I see so much with, uh, out there, and I'm sure you see it too, is there's a lot of arguing and bickering even among people who tend to agree uh, about uh, about what should be done and how it should be done and who should do it. Um, and so, uh, you know, that, that probably is not going to help us get there. So I think this show is going to be really important, and I, I hope you all will listen, watch the show, because he's going to be sharing his, his view of why the world is in the midst of this emotional shift and how we can become more aligned. Um, all right, so I said we would talk a little bit about... Uh, how it is that we should not be pushing our sort of theories about religion or any particular religion on our clients. And let's just put that out there as a flat statement. There is, it is unethical for any therapist to uh, say to a client that they should believe a certain way about religion. Um, and our, uh, our core competencies, now those, what those are is a, a list and an explanation of how to do the list of, of things that we should be very competent in doing in order to provide this kind of therapy. And we, those competencies do not allow us any wiggle room with regard to that, that standard. They tell us that we are not to try to persuade our clients to believe as we believe in any particular religion. So that, you know, if that, if that happens, it's unethical. And uh, uh, so we need to be very careful as therapists not to do that to our clients. And that sometimes that can be done in subtle ways um, that we don't even realize. And that's why we need to work on ourselves. And that means taking ourselves to supervision. That means th- that we would uh, go to see a supervisor, somebody who is uh, trained as to, be, to supervise counselors uh, to help us work through stuff or to go to therapy to help us work through stuff that we have unresolved about getting other people to believe like we believe. Um, so uh, so I want to put that out there as just a blanket statement, and, and we're going to come back to it So, because there's some other things that need to be understood before we talk about that. 
So uh, let me just give you some basic understanding of some terminology here that we're going to be using in order to come back to that place where we talk about what we can and can't do in therapy. Um, The term transpersonal says all that it means. It is what is beyond just the strictly personal. And, you know, so what is beyond the personal? It's the mystery. It's that mystery that that is a mysterious force in our lives. It's that process that happens uh, beyond our control where the psyche is leaning toward wholeness and pushes us to get involved with people, places, events, and circumstances that will help us to uncover unresolved material. Uh, those That's transpersonal. It's beyond what we can control. Um, so transpersonal therapy gets us to that, that thing that isn't contrived within us and without. Um, and it, it can include the divine, but it doesn't have to. Um, so the transpersonal is the trans, mean tra- transcending the personal, the uh, what some people would call the egoic identification. I don't think of it as egoic. I think of it as just plainly identity. Because, but but people are using the term ego. So I want to use that term right now because people are saying that the ego is one thing and that this the self and soul are another thing and I would say it's the identity that's one thing and the self and soul that is something else because an identity is something we so identify with that we think it's who we are the ego is just a liaison between the inner and outer worlds and we must have ego there's a lot of people out there that are teaching us that we should get rid of ego um, and um, I think that's a very dangerous tenet because ego is a part of how we hold ourselves together. It, it is, um, it, when we have significant ego strength, the balancing beam between the external world and the internal world is, is balanced. When it's not, when it's tilted in favor of the internal world, we can go so far as even to be psychotic. When it's tilted in favor of the external world, then we live our lives trying to please or control the external world. And so we, we need to have some kind of balance where the external world has some influence but the internal world can take that and make meaning from it. Um, so that's the balance we're looking for, and ego helps us get that balance if we can have a strong ego. But if we try to take ego away, then we lose the balance. There's no balancing beam, and so we have either we're totally in, tr- internal or we're totally external, and either way causes big problems. So I use the term identity, and not just as a term, but as a way uh, of understanding that um, that we actually can hang our identity, we can hang our name tag on something that is not who we are. I can I could hang Andrea Matthews Counselor Extraordinaire on my my identity, and I would go around trying to counsel everyone, and uh, that would get me in a lot of exhausted trouble. And eventually, people would get sick of me. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> so. Uh, I can't just be counselor. I have to be more than that. And I'm a, a ver- variant, complex person that is not just uh, one thing. But if I identify, for example, with superwoman, then I'm going to see myself as strong and tough and capable and always on top of everything and in control. And I've got every, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And uh, you bring me something to do and I'll get it done yesterday. And I'm always washing the clothes and, and baking the dinner and being great in bed that night and, you know, just I can do it all. I can do it all. I'm superwoman. 
And there's a lot of women over the past, you know, 30, 40 years who, once they started going to work, identified with that role as superwoman. And that was because their sense of self as a woman was being challenged by the fact that we had to go to work then, or we did choose to go to work. And we went to work, and then we still felt like we had to keep up the old role of the woman. And that's why, you know, we've slowly begun to see some balancing out of those roles um, a little bit, not completely by far, but but a little bit. And so, um, but superwomen think that they can handle it all. And then they also try to handle other people too by fixing them and making their lives better and, and you know, teaching them and trying to shove them into the right direction and controlling them and even controlling them more and getting pretty harsh sometimes and getting pretty, you know, pushy sometimes. And so that that's, you know, part of one of the negative aspects of superwoman and and so you know that becomes who she thinks she is and but underneath that are all the feelings and all the thoughts that she's pushed away in order to be superwoman and that is more like the authentic self and we want to get in touch with that person and so that's why I call it an identity because it absolutely is an identity so the transpersonal would help us get in touch with that deeper self that core essence a spiritual crisis is another term that's come about is because of a spiritual, I mean, because of transpersonal therapy. Um, the term uh, started out meaning that people who ha- had a psychosis sometimes went all the way into psychosis in order to come back to a new uh, direction, a new understanding of who they were. I don't think we have to go so far as psychosis. It can happen because of an anxiety attack. It can happen because of depression. It can happen because of a divorce. It can happen because of a birth. It can happen because of a death. It can happen anytime something in life seems overwhelming, then we're forced to have to look at ourselves and life very differently. And that's what I call a spiritual crisis because it it allows us to go deeper. It allows us to ask the right questions and perhaps if we can work on it in a way that uh, allows the psyche to speak to us, then we uh, can come to some real answers as well. Spiritual abuse is a term I want to talk a little bit about. And for those of you who are, who are uh, local to Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, there's a workshop coming up on December the 15th. Uh, I'll be teaching about spiritual abuse. It's at the Homewood Public Library in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, you can learn more about it on my website under events. Um, so I'll, I'll be doing that uh, to really teach more about this. But for now, just to give you a definition, spiritual abuse is a um, is an abuse of the spirit. So I defined the spirit earlier as the authentic self, the soul, the spirit. It is the deeper essence of who we are. And how does that get abused? Well, it gets negated mostly. It gets told not to be here. It gets told to go away. It gets told that its thoughts are bad. It gets told that its emotions are unworthy. It gets told that its behavior would be evil. It gets told all kinds of things that aren't true about the authentic self in order to keep it hidden and and pushed away. Um, I have even heard some people say that they've been told that that the devil is always whispering in their ears and if they, any thought that they have about, you know, the Bible or Christianity or, uh, in this case, it was a, a Christian who was talking to me. It could be other religions as well. But um, that, they were told that, that, that anytime they had an original thought about what, what Christianity meant to them, that it was really just the devil speaking to them and they should listen to their leadership. That's spiritual abuse. 
Because what it says is, don't listen to you, listen to me. Don't listen to that voice inside of you. And negate that. Don't listen to your intuition. Don't listen to your discernment. Don't listen to, to um, your emotions. Don't listen to your own original thoughts. Those are to be negated. Just listen to me and, and do what I say. And so that's, uh, that's spiritual abuse at its, at its core essence. What it says is, don't be you. Be, uh, try to follow the leadership of, of, some, of the church, the temple, the mosque, whatever. And, and uh, there are a lot of Christian churches, uh, and I'm uninformed if there are other uh, religions that are doing this as well, but there are a lot of Christian churches that are studying spiritual abuse. And some people are also studying something they call religious abuse, and they make a distinction between those two. But um, I'm not sure that there is a distinction. That's my personal opinion. I think they are the same thing. So, um, uh, so a spiritual abuse means that the person has has been taught not to uh, operate from his own authenticity. He's to operate from the uh, the the direction and the uh, the leadership of somebody who's teaching them who to be and how to be. So uh, that's spiritual abuse. Spiritual woundedness is the wound that's created by spiritual abuse. So what is that wound? There's a big split now between me and my authenticity, between what I call me, which is typically an identity, and and the actual authentic self. So I I uh, that chasm is really hard for me to breach, and it's hard for me to know, hear my authentic self. It's hard for me to, to discern that voice and call it an okay voice to hear. It's hard for me. And so what happens as a result of that is the crises keep building up stronger and stronger until I'm absolutely forced to have to listen to that voice because it seems loud. It seems uh, it's crying. It's yelling. It's asking for help. It, you know, and so we have to listen to it. And very often that's when people come to therapy, when they hear that loud, angry, depressed, anxious voice saying, please attend to me, please attend to me, please attend to me. And that, that I call those spiritual wounds because it's the authentic self uh, calling us to listen, to pay attention. So I want to be really clear. I'm not saying that every anxious thought or every anxious uh, emotion or depressed emotion is telling us the truth. I want to be really clear about that. But I am saying that these emotions can generate an uh, uh, exploration into the truth. And that's what we want to do. We want to utilize these emotions to help us get clearer on who we are. Um, And I spend a lot of time in the book, uh, Letting Go of Good, uh, um, dispel the mist of goodness to find your uh, genuine self. Uh, I spend a lot of time talking exactly about how that process of utilizing emotions and intuition and discernment and desires uh, can ha- can help us to get in touch with the authentic self. There's a lot in that book about that. So again, you can purchase that book uh, online uh, outlets and, and, and in brick and mortar stores as well. Um, so those are basic terms that we need to understand in order to know the, di- the distinction between, uh, you know, the identity and the authentic self. And we need to understand that these are very, very important uh, pieces that people might bring with them to therapy. So uh, some people might bring a spiritual crisis to therapy. Some people might bring a history of spiritual abuse to therapy. Uh, a lot of people bring their spiritual wounds to therapy. 
And, and so as therapists, we need to understand that. We need to understand that that's a piece of what people are bringing to therapy. And so if we leave out any discussion of religion or spirituality, and we don't talk about it unless and until the client brings it up, what we're doing is saying, I'm just going to continue to negate that just like everybody else has done. And I think that we then could be considered to be guilty of spiritual abuse because we're, we're doing what everybody else has done in negating the authentic self. So I think we have to really pay attention to that. And I think that's what our core competencies are encouraging us to do and what our ethics boards are encouraging us to do and help teaching us multiculturalism, teaching us to pay attention to religion and spirituality, making those important elements of the therapeutic process. And so, uh, so uh, we want to be very, very clear again, and we'll, we'll talk about this after this break that's coming up, to be sure, uh, because I postponed it at the beginning of the last break. But uh, we will, the idea is that if I'm trying to talk you into believing what I believe, then I am not paying attention to what you think. So, for example, I very commonly have clients who will come in and I'll say, well, what do you think about that? Or what, how do you feel about that? One of the two. And, and they will say, well, Pastor Bill says, and I'll listen to them say what Pastor Bill says, and then I'll say, what do you think? And they'll say, well, you know, Pastor Bill says, and I'll say, well, what do you think? And they'll say, well, Pastor Bill says, and I'll say, well, what do you think? And finally they hear me. Finally, they hear me going, oh, I can think about this. I can have uh, my own thoughts. And that's the challenge, is to begin to think your own thoughts, ask your own questions, begin to do your own research, begin to explore who you are. So that's just one little uh, door or window to the authentic self that allows us to begin to go, oh, oh, I have thoughts that are important to be heard. I thought I was just supposed to do what Pastor Bill said or Guru Bill or, uh, you know, Imam Bill or whoever. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being taught not to pay attention to who I am but to listen to other people. And therapists don't need to join that, that group of people that are teaching people to do that. And that's what we're going to spend some time talking about in the next section. So be here for that. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
Life carries many uncertainties. Just when we think we may know where we are headed or think we have what we need, life happens and we are redirected. Join host Trina Wines each week for Life Happens, Let's Talk. By hearing stories from people just like you, as well as guest experts who can help, you'll arrive at your own understanding of the role you play in creating the outcome of your life. Listen live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, so I said that uh, we would talk a little bit about this part of therapy that uh, that where sometimes a therapist might try to talk a person into believing what they believe. And that some, as I said, they can do that through subtle means and uh, or overtly uh, try to get them to, uh, to change over their religion. One of the subtle ways that we can do that is suppose a client comes in and, and um, uses the term Allah to describe his uh, connection to a divine being. And the therapist continues to use the word God instead of the term Allah. That's a way of negating that person's uh, uh, connection to the divine, which is, by example, saying to that client that what you think isn't valid, what I think is valid. And since I'm the professional and I'm supposed to be the one that's helping you, then I have some kind of authority to say how we should define God. And that's a, and, and maybe the person doesn't even consciously mean it that way, the, the therapist but it comes off that way to the client. Um, uh, um, so meditation in therapy it can be very, very helpful. But if a client is uncomfortable with meditation, for a counselor to sort of insist that that's the method that's going to be used is a way of saying, no, you, what you feel doesn't really matter. What I feel, I've got the right direction for you and you need to follow it. And there's been enough of that. If the person has been spiritually abused, there's been enough of that already. So uh, there's there's subtle ways that we can uh, that therapists can sort of uh, get out of touch with where the client is, and in that way they continue to spiritually abuse. Although that may not be their intent at all, they may have the highest, most noble intentions, but it does have the effect of continuing to spiritually abuse that client. So. Uh, uh, therapists need to be very careful about that and and I I say that to clients as well so that we can both be attendant to how what's happening in the therapeutic process so that you know I certainly would want a client to call me on it if they thought that I was dismissing something they said I would want them to say hey wait a minute you missed what I just said I just said Allah and you keep saying God Uh, I would want them to call me on that and then I could self-correct because, uh, you know, for me, it would be an unconscious act. If I did that, I don't think I would ever do that. But if I did, it would be an unconscious act. So I need somebody to call me on it. And, and I tell my clients that I want to hear from them about what they're thinking and feeling about what's going on between us as well. So, uh, 
that's a real important part of the engagement with the client is that we get to talk about what's happening in this room right here, right now between us as well. And that sort of keeps us from, uh, keeps the table clean. It keeps the it keeps our interaction clean from any kind of uh, stuff that might get in the way. Um, so, so knowing that our clients bring us uh, a history, some kind of history about religion and or spirituality, uh, we need to be able to provide an assessment for religion and spirituality. That means that we need to take the ball and roll with it with regard to um, bringing the subject up. And it's not just, what's your religion? Tick that off. Uh, It's more like, uh, you know, uh, I want to understand how your religion has impacted you. What's been the effect of your religion on you? Do you agree with your religion or or do are there parts of it you disagree? Has it caused more fear or has it caused more or an anxiety or has it caused uh, is it helped been a resource for you to help calm you? Um, you know it, uh, with regard to this that calming, you know, how often do you use that calming? Is it a resource that you use regularly? That would be a more spiritual part of religion, not just the religious part. So we're really doing an assessment on that, and sometimes that involves doing an assessment of the family dynamics with regard to what's going on with regard to religion and spirituality because some people come from families where religion is fairly insisted upon and that the, everyone in the family should feel the same way about the religious tenets and the dogma and the creed. And, and so uh, when, when a member of the family does not necessarily agree with the rest of the family, then there's, there's friction. And sometimes that means that there's an alienation in some families. That means that there's an alienation where the client might be the alienated party and might begin to feel that they can't be honest with family members because they feel that when they do, they're insulting their family member's religion. And that, that's just never been done in that family. So uh, there's those kind of issues. Uh, there's also issues of grave importance. Like when a person, uh, there's often a lot of morality involved in religion, not so much in spirituality, but in religion there's a, a, a lot, very commonly, a lot of morality involved. So there's some very strict codes that people are supposed to respond to. And... Um, and so uh, if people grow up in that kind of environment and then say, for example, they get married and then later decide that that was the wrong marriage and that they weren't really in love with the person or that their dynamics are so fierce or abusive or um, harmful in some kind of psychological way to the person that they have to get a divorce, now they're up against it. They've got one moral code telling them one thing about what they should do and another urgent need to do something other than what that moral code tells them to do. So uh, to, to now they're in this great emotional conflict about, you know, should I move forward and go ahead and get a divorce or should I stay married to this person and be unhappy for the rest of my life? And then so helping people get in touch with the authentic self helps them to decide, make that decision. And so that they can make it in a way that, that, eases the conflict Um, and that might mean that they decide that they don't no longer believe what they got taught uh, or it might mean that they believe it in a different way 
or it might mean that they decide that somehow that morality is true in the circumstance they're in. You know, there's all kinds of ways of doing that, but my job is not to tell them what to do, but rather to help them get in touch with their own authenticity so they can figure out what to do. Um, In the case of uh, a young person or even an older person getting in touch with a sexual orientation that's very different from what they've lived previously, Um, so they want to come out, they want to get involved with someone of the same sex, but they've got this moral code and this religious ethic that says that that's wrong or sinful or bad. And so they they have this great uh, internal con- conflict going on between who, wh- who they thought they were prior to falling in love with someone of the same sex and who they are now. And so it's like, you know, okay, what my job as a therapist then is to help facilitate an awareness of the authentic self so that they can decide what they want to do from here on out. And uh, so my job is not to tell them, hey, you shouldn't be gay, or hey, you know, uh, you should be gay, just come on out and stop, you know, namby-pambying around. <laughs> That's not my job. My, my job is to facilitate awareness of the authentic self so that they can decide what to do. So uh, it's, the, it's the same in the case with gender identity. So who am I as a gender? What does that mean? And, and that's the question that the authentic self gets to answer. So these are conflicts that involve religion. They involve a deeper spiritual understanding of life. And, and for us to, to not be able to talk about religion and, and spirituality in the therapeutic uh, uh, endeavor is to say, well, we just aren't going to address those issues. And that means that we're not really helping our clients. So it's really, really important for us as clinicians to be able to address these issues with fairness and equanimity and ethical uh, uh, competence so that we're, uh, we're able to address, bring these issues up. We need to do a thorough assessment. That includes all kinds of things, including substance dependence and abuse, suicidality, homicidality, Uh, mental illness in the family, family dynamics, current problems, all kinds of things like that, and include in that religion and spirituality. We don't need to leave that out. That needs to become a part of our assessment process. And when we do that, what we do is get to know the client on the level that they would not be talking to us about were we not to bring it up. So it's really important for us to, uh, to be able to address that issue. And, uh, and um, uh, bring it to an open format in the clinical session. So um, our clients bring to us all kinds of issues, um, from employment issues to uh, to marital issues to parenting issues to um, deep-seated, unresolved uh, issues of abuse or post-trauma. These are issues that our clients bring to us on a regular basis, um, some people work with people who have severe mental illness, such as psychosis, such as uh, um, schizophrenia or bipolar disorder uh, with, with a psych, uh, psychosis attached. And, and so when, they, when these people are working with these people, those kinds of assessments need to take place as well so that, so that the person, whoever it is, gets to talk about that. There's very commonly a component in uh, severe mental illness uh, about that has to do with religion. We commonly see people who are psychotic 
develop uh, a hyper-religious kind of identification so that they are, you know, very much involved in some religious ideas or ideals that may or may not be skewed along the lines of their psychosis. And so, you know, it plays a part. And we need to be able to address that and not run from it or just call it hyper-religiosity and be done with it. We need to address it because there's some reason it's hooked into their psychosis. There's a, there's a reason for that, and we need to understand it. Um, so, um, with regard to uh, the, uh, the spiritual crisis component of the therapeutic endeavor, when a, when a client comes in with any kind of issue, with depression, anxiety, uh, or uh, you know relationship issues, or uh, LGBTQ issues, or uh, any kind of issue at all, my assessment is going to include a religious and spiritual background assessment so that we understand each other from that perspective. And what that does is allow the client to begin to open up about that as well. And even in the case where the client is atheist and doesn't believe in any form of God, uh, we can still do an assessment regarding his history, his or her history with religion and or spirituality. Because spirituality, I want to be really clear, does not imply necessarily that there's a divine entity involved. Spirituality is a connection to one's deeper self, one's own spirit, one's own soul. And, you know, uh, an atheist might say, well, I don't have a soul, I don't have a spirit. When I came here, I was flesh and bone, and when I die, I'm going to go to dust, and that's that. Stop talking to me about spirit and soul. Well, I don't ever use those terms unless they do. But but, uh, they can talk about an authentic self. They can talk about it in those terms, and they can understand that maybe they have an identification over here that's very different from their authenticity over here. And so they might begin to understand the split-off between the two, and that's a spiritual journey. And we don't have to call it that, but it is defined as a transpersonal journey because we're getting beyond the identity and into uh, that mysterious force that we talked about earlier that is numinous, as Carl Jung would have called it and is evidence that there's something else going on within us that uh, is not pushed by an identification or just by consciousness. Um, This thing of the unconscious is very, very important part of what we're talking about today because there's a lot of stuff in the unconscious that comes out of us at variant points in our lives. We may all of a sudden get really angry about something and not even understand why we're angry or, or we might start crying about something and not understand why we're crying. That's... That's uh, an experience that's coming to us from the from the uh, deeper unconscious, you know, and we need to be able to explore that and understand it. So those are the kinds of things that people bring to therapy, and they don't understand their own behavior, so they want to know why they're doing what they're doing. And uh, so that brings the unconscious element, and that's that can be there for a person, whether they're atheist or Christian or Muslim or Buddhist or whatever they are. It doesn't matter the religion. Those kinds of things still stump us. And we need some help in trying to figure out what's going on and addressing it in a way that's therapeutic and, and healing. And that's what I think therapy is really all about. So it, is, it, it, is, it does have its spiritual components and its elements. And we need to be prepared as therapists to deal with that. And as clients, we need to be prepared to, to go to the deeper world if we're going to do transpersonal therapy. If we just want behavior modification or behavioral therapy, there's, those, those therapists are out there as well. And that's a respectable approach just as well. So I wish you well in your healing endeavors. And so that's it for our show today. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth. 
to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 